Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. We're in the room. We're live. We're live on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure if we're live. Well, it says checking connection on Instagram. I'm hoping um, everything is is okay. Hoping everyone is okay. And um, I've got a few questions here, which is very interesting. Uh, if you do have any questions. If you are looking for answers from a consultant plastic surgeon, then you're in the right place. Instagram is live. Uh, hello, Instagram. Um, so please feel free to ask me anything, and I will have a bash at answering, doing my best to um, answer. What's that? What does that thing do on Instagram? It just does the brightness, does it? Not that one. Oh, God, that is not a good look. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I, I can't do it all like can I do it all like this? The whole <laughs> like this? Shall I do it all like that? No, no, that's not a good look one like this one. Oh, this is good. Facebook used to have this, didn't it? The filters. What's that? Is that just flickery? Right, anyway, we'll get off the filters in a minute. Just do that one for the final one. Mm, nice. Okay, sorry. Let's just get off the filters. Um, yeah, so if you have any questions, then please feel free to chip in and ask away. Um, yeah, so, I'm, oh, it is, oh, look at that. Uh, Facebook's working, Khan and Jackie are here. Good, that's good to hear. I mean, not that I doubt that everything's working, because obviously I am, I know what I'm doing. I think, Is Instagram, well, I don't know if I'm on Instagram. Am I, do I have to press the button or? I have to just press the button. Anyway, God, you think I know what I'm doing by now. Um, so, yeah. Instagram keeps on saying checking connection. I'm gonna be professional, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna crack on with this question here. Actually, I need Instagram, this is a photo. I've got, anyway. Uh, why is my keloid scar not suitable for excision? Is there anything else you could offer for the stinging and itchiness? So, keloid scars are really difficult to treat. And the reason they're really difficult to treat is because they're an abnormal type of scarring that your body has caused, if you like. So it's usually from quite an innocuous injury, an inno innocuous scar, that then creates a big lumpy scar. So it's your body's reaction to the scarring. And we don't really know what causes keloid scars. Hello, Instagram. Um, I think it's on. I, mean, I think Instagram Live is working. Am I right in saying that? Is Instagram Live working? I mean, the video's on and it says 19 active followers, but normally there's a place that says that says um anyway live i don't know if it is working actually checking connection anyway 
you know, hey ho, Facebook, Facebook started with Facebook, didn't we? So, um, so yes, uh, keloid scars are difficult to treat uh, because it is the body's reaction, if you like, to the scarring. So, um, a lot of people think, oh, just cut out this keloid scar and make it look better. If you cut out a keloid scar and stitch it up, yes, initially it will look better, but the risk is it will go keloid again. That is the problem. So, um, we avoid cutting them out really if we can there are certain causes for keloid scars um there's a keloid and hypertrophic scar they're sort of two um things which are, are on the same spectrum a keloid scar is a worse version of a hypertrophic scar but it's the same sort of spectrum um and if there there, there might be a reason for your keloid or hypertrophic scar so if you've had delayed healing if it's taken a long time to heal that might predispose to a hypertrophic scar so oh your connection isn't strong enough it says there that's why face Instagram's not working i mean how terrible is that your connection isn't strong enough what are you talking about man what's wrong with my connection settings yeah i'm on the wi-fi good god what's the world coming to um there you go um so if um, oh, bar in the way now, if you have a reason for your uh, sort of raised, they they they're raised, uh, unsightly, lumpy scars. So if there's a reason, so if you had delayed healing or an infection or something like that, then we might be more likely to revise it because we might think, hold on a minute, if I revise it and you don't get an infection, then maybe you will scar nicely. But if you've had no reason for the keloid, so if you've just had an in there's certain areas where they're very common, the earlobes very common, the shoulders are common, and also the sternum is very common, as in this case. And if you have uh, don't have any reason for the keloid and it's just come, then the likelihood it's your body's reaction. And therefore, um, have I got too many things open? And therefore, um, if it's your body's reaction to it, then we'd be more likely to think, hold on a minute, I don't really want to give you another scar because by definition, a keloid scar is bigger than the original scar or the original injury. You get the ear piercing pinprick and you get a big, great big um, sort of marble from that. So by definition, the keloid is bigger than the original scar if we then cut that out we'll give you a scar that was bigger than the original scar which if that goes keloid it'll go even bigger than your last keloid so that is why we don't want to cut keloids out um we've got a photo here so that's the photo um <clears throat> i think this is a side view and i think it is um uh, it's a it's a it's a pre-sternal keloids, which is a very common place for them. And I personally would be very wary slash would not really want to cut that out. Cut that out because <clears throat> I think there's a very high chance that I'll come back keloid, and I think there's a very high chance that it'll come back worse because it is your um, your body's reaction to the um, to the to the scarring and therefore uh, my um advice would be um to try uh, steroid injections uh, steroid injections and silicone gel which kind of comes either as a as a gel that you apply or a gel sheet um 
those those would be my my advice and um steroid injections can help with the itchiness uh, and the discomfort and can help with the raised nature of it the red nature of it i mean you're always going to have a big wide scar there but if we can make it slightly less raised slightly more comfortable that's the sort of thing i'd be looking for um and that keloid scar i wouldn't be i wouldn't be advising excision sometimes we do do excision of keloid scars but that's quite a nasty one over the sternum and i think there's a high chance that will um come back and i think we are live on instagram we're working on instagram and you know what's really annoying that it's late on instagram and i have a way of showing the photos on instagram look there's the photo of the keloid scar which i've just been talking about on facebook and i can show it on instagram it's a keloid scar on the chest here and the question is why is this not suitable for excision and um and the reason is that the risk of doing excision of a keloid scar like that is that it can come back bigger. So um, the, the, the symptoms are itchiness and stinging. And so steroid injections can help with that. And so I would be looking at potentially doing steroid injections for that. Um, and also silicone sheets and silicone gel might help. But I would not be looking at uh, excision on that one personally. Um, because I'll be very worried it comes back when we do do excision and sometimes we do certainly on the ear lobe and people have their uh, keloids and certain keloids we do do excision on if when we do do excision we tend to do what's called an intralesional excision which means keeping within the ra the realms of the keloid so all our cuts are within keloid and then we stitch keloid to keloid so you let end up with a, a rim of keloid left behind so it's like a smaller keloid uh, that, than you had to start off with uh, and then we do steroid injections to try and get rid of the last bit so um, that would be my advice for that one, steroid injections. Oh, hold on a minute. Sophie's got a question. Nice one, Sophie. Good evening. Mummy makeover with lift, small implant and lipo to outer thighs and back. What is recommended recovery time and what is pain level post-op and pain relief given? Not messing about, Sophie. Lift, small implant, lipo to outer thighs and back. Blimey. Um, well, I guess out of that, the main thing, the, the, the lipo is going to make you feel battered and bruised and knocked about a bit, but it's the lift and implant, I guess, is going to be the, the sort of main uh, thing that's going to be in terms of recovery. So a lift with implants is quite a big deal. And I always say to people, lift with small implant, mm, is it worth doing the implant? Anyway, no, probably not going to go there. Not that maybe that's not uh, the, the realms of the question. But um, yeah, so lift with implants is a big deal and it does have uh, a, a significant recovery associated with it. The first week, you're not going to feel like doing anything. You'll be all taped up, you'll feel tight um, and you certainly wouldn't want to do anything. Second week, you'll be feeling better. You'll be doing stuff from home, which this is what most of us are doing most of the time, isn't it? Doing stuff from home. So you might be all right doing bits and bobs from home. But I normally say after two weeks, you can get back to work um, if you're sort of working full time or if you are driving anywhere, two weeks for driving and four to six weeks really for um, for doing anything too heavy because you don't want to put any tension on the, on the incision and on the, on the, um, on the wounds because it is quite tight. So I think it would be the breast that... Uh, that will be the main thing. Haley says, when? When, Haley? How are you doing, Haley? Good to see you again. Hope you're all right. And uh, when? Good question, Haley. I don't know when. No one knows. Does anyone know when? Anyone? No, I'm not so sure. Um, 
Another one with a photo and Instagram, you're in for a treat because I've got this photo as well. I've been told, I'm so glad that Instagram's on. I've been told that I would need two to three sessions to remove my birthmark fully removed. Can you please explain why this would take multiple sessions? Also, why does each session need three months apart? So we can show that on Instagram as well. So this is the birthmark here. So it's a birthmark on the scalp. Um, two to three sessions. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that, actually, two to three sessions. I certainly don't think it would come out in one session. The problem is it's too big to come out in one session. It's too wide to come out in one session. That's not going to come out. So the reason that you it needs multiple sessions is because if you cut that out in one go, if you cut all of that birthmark out in one go, that is not going to close. Uh, the skin on the scalp is quite tight. And so if it doesn't close and you're looking at skin grafts and things like that, which look unsightly. So what we tend to do for big moles or birthmarks or tattoos also um, is a technique known as serial excision. And what that involves is actually removing as much as you can. So not removing all of it, removing as much as you can uh, and then stitching it up. And what that involves, what that leaves you with is a scar and a bit of birthmark left on either side. And then that stitch up feels really tight. It's really uncomfortable. But then as the weeks and months go on, it becomes less tight. Your skin, if you put it under tension, it then tends to relax. It's a it's a, 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 a function or a, a, an attribute of the skin. If you put it under tension, it relaxes over time. That's why you can have get pregnant and have a baby. If you try to put a full term baby in a woman's abdomen, it just would never happen. But because it gradually grows over nine months, the, the, it goes under a bit of stretch and then a little bit of stretch. And then as that feels tight to start off with, and then the skin relaxes and then you can put it under more stretch. So um, it's sort of the reverse, the reverse way we put it under tension by cutting a big bit of the, you know, as much of the skin out as we can. And then we normally leave it two to three months, really, probably three months would be better. Um, to be honest, the longer you leave it, the better because the skin relaxes as time goes on. And then three months down the line, when you first have it done, it's really tight. And then three months later, it's not tight anymore. And then you can cut another bit out. So it's called a serial excision. So that's why it needs to be three months apart. When you first do it, it's really tight. There's no way you can cut and take any more out. But three months later, the skin will have relaxed and you'll be able to take another another bit out. So I would say, yeah, two to three goes on that one. And it would leave a scar, which would be a bit unsightly because you can see where the hairline is. So the scar is going to come forward from the hairline and not a great place for a scar, unfortunately. And because it's tight, you know, the tighter you close it, the more risk the scar will stretch and, you know, might look similar to what, what, the, what the birthmark looks like, to be honest with you. But... Um, but uh, yeah, that's a tricky one. Got to be honest, it's a tricky one. But that is the reason why it would need two to three sessions and it would need to be three months apart. So um, yeah, nice, nice. Showing the photos on Instagram, that's good. That's uh, very happy with that uh, photo showing session. Oh, hold on a minute. Sophie said something on Facebook. Thank you. Uh, very helpful. What about a garment post-op? Sophie, is that that's Haley's photo? But anyway, never mind. Um, we'll rise above it. Um, thank you. Very helpful. What about garment post-op? How long does it need to be worn for? Um, so really, rather than a garment, so oh, sorry, there's garment for the lipo you're talking about. Okay, so for, for the breast, it's really a bra where well, you have takes on for the first week and then and then a bra, which is sort of like the garment. But yes, for lipo, what are we looking at? Uh, outer thighs and 
back. To be honest, so it depends on your surgeon, Sophie. For thighs, I tend not to use a garment. Um, they can be a bit uncomfortable, or it depends on how much liposuction, I guess, but they can be a bit uncomfortable when you get into thighs. You have to sort of go above and below, so they have to go up to your waist and down to your knees. So they can be quite big and uncomfortable. And uh, it, the, where they stop, you can, in the groins and things, they can, you can get a bit of swelling where there isn't compression. So um, we'd have to see whether you'd have a garment at all. But if you were going to have a garment, the garment is um, worn for a month. Uh, and then see how you go. You might want to wear it for longer because you might want to be supported or might be beautiful sunny weather and you might say for goodness sake get this garment off me in which case fine you can see how you go after a month and start to sort of not wear it but uh, you certainly might feel like you need to wear it wear it for longer if and, and you can if you want uh actually sophie you also asked what's the pain relief given usually pain relief for most operations for me is um uh paracetamol and ibuprofen i like keep it simple stuff you've got in your cupboard uh, if you do need more, we can give you the codeine-based painkillers like codeine phosphate and cocodamol, coproximal, that sort of thing. But they can cause constipation and they can cause dizziness. They can cause nausea. So they can cause some symptoms. So if you're not in pain, I always say, look, don't take them. But obviously, if you are in pain, then uh, you might need the stronger painkillers. But hopefully you will be all right with the sort of um, paracetamol, ibuprofen, mummy makeover. Yeah, mummy makeover, big op. Um Sophie, big op. Uh, Natalie Richardson Hughes, straight in, hashtag ask JJ. Okay, so Natalie instantly has shown us she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's on about. She's seen it before. She's watched the show before and she knows what is going on around here. Hashtag ask JJ. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Natalie, big respect to you. If I could like you, I would, but I can't on this thing because I'm on. I'm not on actual real Facebook. I'm on a sort of um, thing that allows me to put the questions up, but it's not. It's like linked to Facebook, yeah, and and YouTube. By the way, we are live on YouTube, everyone. Yeah, I think we might not be actually because it said it didn't wasn't linked properly. But anyway, in principle, we are. Maybe not in reality. In principle, we're live on YouTube. Anyway, what's the Ask JJ hashtag Ask JJ question? Well, I'll tell you what it is. I'm glad you asked me. Can a TT, tummy tuck, fully repair diastasis recti? Question mark. 18 months postpartum, twin pregnancy, and still look five months pregnant. Hmm, tricky. Um, usually, Natalie, I mean, I don't want to say always, um, but usually, yes, you can uh usually repair most diastasis recti for those of us who don't know i say us i'm not one of them but for those of you who might not know what diastasis recti is um it's the muscles of your abdomen of your anterior abdominal wall at the front of your abdomen on either side of your belly button there's two muscles that go straight down they're called the recti muscles uh rectus abdominis muscle and there's two of them and they go straight down and they've got these lines, these what's called tenderness intersections along them, which give you your six pack look, but they're actually going straight down. Uh, they're not going that way, they're going that way. And when you get pregnant or when you have uh, a large, put on a lot of weight, they can become separated slightly. 
and that's called diastasis recti. So the, the, the rectus, recti muscles can be separated. And you can check this by, if you want, in fact, it's probably best not to check it because it's best not to know. But if you do want to check it, you can actually lie flat on your back and either do straight leg raise or lift your head and shoulders up off the bed and feel above your belly button and feel if there's a gap there. And sometimes you can see a bulge there. And that is the um, separation between those recti muscles. And uh, when you do a tummy tuck, at least a full tummy tuck, uh, you can, uh, we call it repairing those muscles. You're not really repairing the muscles, you just bring them together, but you can bring them together. And I have had some quite significant diastasis recti, uh, Natalie, um, which I have managed to repair during a tummy tuck. So I would say that you can repair quite a significant diastasis recti. Um, it's difficult to say without examining you because I might think, oh my lord, you know, this is all, you know, really bad diastasis and you might not be able to repair it, you know. But um, <clears throat> if you, if your weight is good, you've, you've, you know, if you, if you're not, if you're not overweight, if you, if your weight is good, um, then it will certainly be able to be improved and, and hopefully be able to be uh, fully repaired at the time of a, a tummy tuck. Um, thank you. Really helpful. This from Sophie. Thank you, Sophie. Hi there. Is it essential for me to stay overnight to have capsulectomy and the replacements put in? Put in. Good one, Kelly. Good one. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. The problem with cap is the capsulectomy bit, Kelly. That's that's the problem because when you do a capsulectomy, you're removing all that scar tissue around the implant, and that um, can make it bleed. And when it bleeds, then you want to use a drain. So if you were done first thing in the morning, um, I, so personally, I'd probably use a drain if we're going to go for a full capsulectomy. I, I would use a drain. I do use a drain for a full capsulectomy. So if you're having a full capsulectomy, then I would use a drain. If you were going, if you were going down in the morning to theatre, then it might be possible to have a look at the drain later on in the evening, and you might possibly be able to go home that evening if you really wanted to. The problem is, Kelly, I wouldn't be able to guarantee it. So I think I'd have to say to you, you might have to stay overnight, you know, so it's tricky. If you want a guarantee, I think that would be tricky, Kelly, because um, I don't like sending people home with drains. So, yeah, it's tricky, but it's a possible if we did it first thing in the morning, but I couldn't guarantee that. Brogan has just said, hashtag ask JJ, and then just an emoji. I'll take the Ask JJ's, you know, any way I can. So if you want to just randomly put hashtag Ask JJ, we need to get this trending, people, okay? We need to get this trending, whatever whatever that means. So um, question, what's the big difference between teardrop and round implants? How do I answer that one? Um, well, to be absolutely brutal, not a huge, not as much as I think some people think. And actually, some people don't think there's any difference at all. Some people just use round implants because they say when round implants are in the body, they go a bit teardroppy shape. Um, so, you know, some sur or say people, some, you know, plastic surgeons say, look, there's no point in using teardrop. I do use teardrop and I do think there is a room for teardrop, particularly in someone who's got very little breast tissue. Teardrop does have less fullness in the upper pole. And they are fuller in the lower pole than the upper pole and give a more natural result, particularly if you've got no breast tissue. For instance, when we're doing breast reconstruction in people who've had cancer, we pretty much always use teardrop implants. 
um, because the shape of the implant is dictating the shape of the breast. So if there's really not much breast tissue at all, I would tend to use a teardrop implants. But having said that, some people may have a bit of breast tissue and might be seeing a bit low. Uh, and if that's the case, then actually a round implant can give you a natural result. So it's not strictly, some people, if you think teardrop implants are natural, round or fake, it's not as straightforward as that. You can get a natural result with a round implant, particularly if you've got a bit of breast tissue and it's sitting a bit low in your breast, then a round implant can restore that and can give a natural result. So it depends on the profile of the implants. So the implants all come as different profiles, low, medium, high, extra high profile. So you have to look at the profile of the implant and you have to look at the breast tissue that you got before you start because you've got to add the two together. But broadly speaking, a round implant is fuller in the upper part than uh, a teardrop implant, but as I say, you get different profiles. So you get low profile, so there is quite a bit of difference between a teardrop and uh, an extra high profile round, an extra than a teardrop. But a low profile round, you know, approaching a teardrop. So, you know, it's not as cut and dried as you think. It's not like, oh, depends on the profile, depends on the breast tissue you've got. Um, and, and yeah, so that, the other thing is to bear in mind, if you are going teardrop, you've got to think the teardrop can rotate. So that's another thing to, to, to bear in mind if you're having a teardrop. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the difference, more famous. Brogan, there was a question too. Aha. Uh -huh. Or what is it, Brogan? Hit me with it. Have I missed it? Hit me. Hit me with the question. Kelly, is it essential we've done that? Hashtag ask JJ. Thank you. Um, thank, oh, ask JJ, thank you. Are overnight states available at the moment? If not, when would you be able to complete a capsaicin with overnight state? They are available, Kelly. Yes, we, do, we are doing our overnight stays. Yeah, you can have an overnight stay at the moment kelly so they are available so yeah now and have nice days who knew natalie thank you very much well thank you natalie for starting the ask jj tsunami we've had two since you did that hashtag one on facebook and one on instagram i mean don't know don't know if i'm coming or going all these ask jj's right what we got do you use saline implants um how do i answer that no well i suppose the easy answer is no uh would i use saline implants yes if someone wanted saline implants i would use them um but i, I not many people in this country do use them um they i think they use them more in america well i know they use them more in america than we do because for a long time, silicone implants were banned in America, so they had to use saline implants. So they've got quite a large experience using saline implants. They are able to use silicone implants now in, in America, so they do use silicone and saline. But in this country, say, uh, silicone was never banned, and so we've always used silicone. And I think there's a lot to be said for silicone implants um, compared with saline implants personally. But if someone had a strong view, we could definitely talk about it. But if you want someone who has got a wide experience of saline implants, I'm not your man. Unfortunately, uh, I mainly slash exclusively use silicone implants, at least silicone gel, different shells. So you have a smooth shell, a texture shell, or a polyurethane foam shell, but whatever shell you have, 
the inside of the implant is silicone gel. The other thing about saline implants is a lot of people say, I don't want any silicone in my body. In a saline implant, the, the shell is still silicone. So you have to have some silicone in your body because the shell is silicone. But admittedly, it's less because you don't have silicone gel. Brogan, I did post it. I had a mastopexy with implants with Mr. Khan around three weeks ago. When is it acceptable to start exercising again? Can it be sooner than six weeks? Lots of conflicting information online. Well, my view, Brogan, on that one is I say lower body stuff after about two weeks. So if you're three weeks, this is all depending on how you feel, Brogan. So if you're feeling good, if you're feeling okay, start doing gentle lower body stuff. What that means is walking, not running, because that's the height, that's the impact. So walking, uh, treadmill, again, walking on the treadmill or walking in the street. Um, uh, uh, the stepper, you know, the, the stepper, what's it called? Co cross trainer, I believe it's called, but not the arms, just the legs, you know, the bike, exercise bike, you know, not going crazy on it, but just starting doing a bit of lower body stuff. Um, you can do lower body stuff around two weeks. So around now, your three weeks, if you're feeling okay and it's all healed up nicely. And then it's usually six weeks for upper body and hot and sweaty and running and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, you can start doing stuff, but keep it lower body, keep it low impact. Don't get too hot and sweaty, just gently ease into it. And if things hurt and swell, back off. And then even at the six weeks when you start doing the upper body stuff, if it hurts and swell, back off. That's my advice. Um, yeah, there is a lot of confidence. That's why you should call us, um, call us and if you're worried then vicky can help and vicky can talk to kuram and you know get in touch it's always best to talk to your surgeon and those sorts of things because everyone's a bit everyone's different which means that there's no right or wrong to us whatever everyone's different so hi just wondering what the difference is between having under muscle implants and over muscle um the difference is tori this is on instagram people um, the difference between under and over the muscle is that if you have them um, on top of the muscle, and the muscle being your pec, so your pec major muscle, like that, um, it doesn't hurt as much, doesn't bleed as much, um, and the implant sits with the breast, and so that is good. Um, and when you put them underneath the muscle, it hurts more, bleeds more. And sometimes the muscle can hold the implant high. Sometimes the muscle can hold the implant wide. And sometimes you can get animation deformities, which means when you do the gym and move, your, your, your breast moves because your implant's underneath your muscle. So that sounds like it's bad under the muscle. Why would it have under the muscle? The reason people have it under the muscle is because if you're very slim here, particularly if you can see your ribs, you worry you'd be able to see the edge of your implant. So when you put it under the muscle, it gives an extra layer of cover here to sort of hide the implant, if you like. So it's much more likely to hide the implant when they're under the muscle. So in terms of rippling, in terms of seeing the edges, feeling the edges, much less likely when you put them under the muscle. So that's the good thing about putting them under the muscle. The bad thing is hurts more, bleeds more, recovery slower, implants can sit high, wide, and animation deformities. Pros and cons, a lot of this implant stuff, good and bad. It's no like, oh, it's better. Anyone who says it's better to have them under the muscle or it's better to have them over the muscle, you've got to think, well, hold on a minute. What, you know, why do the, we just do it that way? We wouldn't do it, you know. So um, pros and cons, Tori, pros and cons. Weighing up and picking what's right for you. That's the main thing. Uh, Brogan, 
Amazing. Thank you. Yep. Feeling pretty much back to normal already. Had amazing experience with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, good, good. Well, yeah, then get into a bit of exercise, getting the lower body stuff as I exercise bike and the stepper thing. Kim, hashtag ask JJ. Look at that. Kicking off in the chat. I'm, I've got what looks like two blood blisters on the side of my breast. I've had them over a year. Could it be something to worry about? Blood blisters doesn't sound like it's something to worry about, Kim. Um, I think, I mean, if you've got like bruising, I'm thinking, have you got a clotting problem? If, you, if they're like bruising um, for over a year, uh, it doesn't sound like it's anything to worry about the breast. I mean, obviously we worry about breast, but it sounds like that's probably more of a skin thing. If it's a blood blister, it's more of a skin issue. Um, but I think it's probably worth seeing your GP, I would say. Maybe when we're able to see GPs, I don't know if we're able to see GPs at the moment, but yeah, if you had something for over a year, I think you should probably get it checked out, but it doesn't sound like, I'm not thinking alarm bells, crikey, get that checked out tomorrow. It just, you know, I wouldn't be too, really small and close to a mole. Yeah, it may be nothing, um, Kim, it might just be like, you know, sometimes people get blood blisters on their face, things like that. Cat, cat, cat is here. Hi, cat. Hope you're all right. Cat's um, got them tiny red blisters. There you go. Cat's got them too. <laughs> Hope you're all right, Cat. Megan's here. Okay, thank you. Good. Uh, what we got here? Faith or Scythe. I'm four weeks PO, post op, of undermuscle HP, textured implants. Look at that. Hey, Cat. Um, I'm four weeks post op of undermuscle high-profile texture implants um, and one of my breasts falls lower and is bigger and also a different shape I have the same size implants put in each side should I be panicking something is wrong with one of them I wouldn't be panicking Faye I think um, this is what it's all about you've got to cat. Um, you've got to work with your surgeon, you know, for these things. And and certainly at this sort of time, the four week post-op period, you know, you've got to work with your surgeon and they'll know what they did and they'll be able to advise you. But generally speaking, I normally say things start to settle around three months. So when people say to me, I'm a bit worried, one's bigger, one's higher, one's, you know, whatever, different shape. If they say that at four weeks, I'm like, okay, well, let's have a look. And, you know, that's okay. Well, you know, it's always hard to say, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Because obviously we're all hoping that's the case. And we're all, you know, planning on that being the case. But you can never guarantee it. But what I normally say to people, look, at four weeks, you haven't got your final result. You're going to have a different result at three months. And hopefully that will be a better result and you'll be fine and the swelling and et cetera, et cetera. If you've got the same size implants and your breasts were the same size before, you know, generally speaking, they should end up about the same size. And if one's bigger than the other, it's probably you've got swelling on one side. So, um, well, it says currently broadcasting to Facebook is not available. Our engineers, <laughs> am I broadcasting to Facebook? Okay. Our engineers are looking into it. This is a problem with using a program, isn't it? Because I'm using it, but not using Facebook. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna plow on because that's what the pros do. Um, so yes, I think you should be talking to your surgeon, Faye, um, and keeping close with them, but just in general terms at four weeks, I won't be desperately worried. Um, and I would just, you know, hopefully things will will settle uh, over time and give it a give it a few months. Uh 
Okay, so now we've got Kelly. Kelly, mine are currently under the muscle, and like I said, I have capsule contracture. Could my implants be placed over the muscle, or would you want to keep them under as the pocket is already there? Hashtag ask JJ. Um, good question, that. That is a good question, guys. I mean, they've all been good questions, but that is a good one. Um, because, Kelly, the thing that we, I, I like, I know what you're saying, and uh, the thing that would worry me is I would be thinking, hold on a minute, why did they put them under the muscle? Unless you've put on weight and you've got more cover now than you did then, I'd be worried that they put them under the muscle first time around because they're worried that you could see them or feel them. And so to put them on top of the muscle now might make you think that you're going to um, see or feel them. So that's the thing that would worry me. It's possible. I mean, there's no question about it. You can change plane. It's easier not to. It's easier to keep them in the same plane. But it's completely possible to put them from under the muscle to over the muscle or from over the muscle to the other muscle to change the implant plane when you change the implants. But I would just be a little bit worried about changing from under to over the muscle unless you say, actually, I put on a lot of weight before and uh, since the surgery and, I've, and, I, and I was very slim then. And that's why they put them under the muscle. But I've got more coverage over my chest and more soft tissue covering that now. Then, you know, then then that might be a reasonable thing to do. But uh, good question. Something we really need to discuss in clinic and examine you, etc. Faye, thank you for the reassurance. Really appreciate it. Good luck, Faye. And yeah, hopefully things will be just just fine. Give it a, give it a few months. Kelly, I was a size 8 when I had them done 16 years ago. I'm now a size 14. So there you go. So maybe you might be all right changing plane. So it might be a, might be a go, okay? Might be a go. Right. Becky has asked to be in my live video. I think that's usually a mistake when people do that. If I say yes, Becky, you'll just appear split screen with me, which can be a bit disconcerting because all the viewers will see you in your living room, like on Saturday night takeaway. So I'm not sure if that's what you're asking, but if you are, then fine. But oh, it's gone. No, she retracted the request. Um, I think I have capsule contracture. Ooh, look at that. How long can I wait until I need to seriously consider surgery? As long as you want, there is no time limit at all. In fact, the longer the better, to be honest with you. And if someone comes with an early capsular contracture, especially if they've only had the implants in, you know, a few years, then I would say, you know, leave them as long as you can. Because the problem is capsular contracture is scar tissue forming around the implant. If we change the implants, we do a capsulectomy, take all of that capsule out, put a new implants in that's a traumatic operation is that more traumatic than the first operation because you're cutting all that capsule out and so um when you cut all that capsule out then that creates more scar tissue so another capsule comes quicker second time around so you don't want to start the clock ticking on those second set of implants you know any sooner than you have to so if you can leave it another few years then fine and it's not going to be the case that you're going to come and we're going to say, oh, crikey, if you'd come a few years ago, you know, it would have been so much easier or, you, you know, it would have been so much better. The longer you leave it, the better. So um, that's that's the answer. If you can leave it, you know, sometimes these people have 20 years, 25 years. Brilliant. You know, you, if you like five, six, seven, eight years, you're thinking, oh, it's quite soon. You don't want to have a surgery every five, six, seven, eight years. So longer the better but if it gets uncomfortable if, it's, if you don't like it if it's unsightly then i understand you might want to have it done which is fine as long as you appreciate that it can come back does having breast implants 
alter skin or nipple sensation? If yes, for how long? <clears throat> yes, it does. And it often a problem early on. It's rare for it to be a long-term problem, but it can be a long-term problem, as in a permanent problem. You can get funny feelings in your skin and in your nipple permanently, but it's not common. It's common for it to happen early on, and it's normally about nine to 12 months, about a year for it to come back. So you don't know whether it's going to come back to life or not uh, for about a year. So it does take a while for it to, to come back to life, but it's often a problem early on. So, yeah. Do you have any idea when you'll be doing face-to-face -face consultations again? Tori, where you been? We're doing them now. It's happening. It is happening. So we're doing, we're encouraging as much as we can virtually. So we're encouraging virtuals, but we are doing, I've got a clinic tomorrow and I'm seeing people in real life. So we are seeing people in real life in the clinic. So face-to-face -face consultations are happening. Surgery is happening. We're doing surgery um in real life you know um so it is happening all ppe'd and all that uh, malarkey uh we only have one patient in the clinic at a time etc so we are you know doing limiting access but there's no question we are doing face-to-face -face consultations at the moment so get in touch and we happy to see you cat can i ask is this is the risk of AC, alcl the same with all implants what are you asking that for cat anyway uh, no cat it's not so um, we don't really know what causes ALCL, but it seems so ALCL is a type of cancer associated with implants. I don't know if everyone knows that, but it's a type, it's a relatively recent thing and it's very rare. And it seems to be related to the roughness of the implant. So the more rough the implant, the increased the risk of ALCL. So the smooth implants, the glassy smooth implants, uh, which are the way they made them first back in the day, are I've got a lower risk of ALCL than the rough ones. So some surgeons are moving towards using the smooth ones because they've got a much lower risk of ALCL. The problem is they've got a higher risk of rippling, the higher risk of capsular contracture. So broadly speaking, you've got three types. You've got smooth, rough, and polyurethane, which is even more rough than a textured implant. So you've got smooth, textured, and polyurethane, <clears throat> and they get increasingly rough. So the polyurethane ones are very rough, the textured ones are a bit rough and the smooth ones are smooth. So the risk of ALCL is much higher in polyurethane than it is in the textured and much higher in the textured than it is in the smooth. But the risk of rippling and capsule contracture is the other way around. It's higher in the smooth than in the polyurethane and the textured. So it's a balance, like I said about the muscle thing, it's a balance. No right or wrong. That's why it's so tricky, all this stuff, you know. Hard to know what to do, isn't it? Hard to do what to do for the best. Um, can I still get breast implants if I have a strong family history of breast cancer? Yes, you can. And we do do breast implants in people with breast cancer. So um, when we do mastectomy, so remove the breast and reconstruct the breast, you can reconstruct the breast with implants. And if you're, you know, you can have an implant in the other side. If you want, the, if you've always wanted your breast to be bigger, then you can reconstruct the bigger breast and augment the other side so you can use implants in people who've got breast cancer and it's absolutely fine to have breast implants if you have a history of breast cancer and there's no problem with doing investigations although you do have to tell them you've got implants in because they have to change the way they do the mammogram they'd be a bit more careful about doing biopsies of any lumps and things like that so they have to be aware but it's absolutely fine to do breast implants if you have a strong history of breast cancer no excuse me um <clears throat> Thank you. Um, bypass the tight ass. 
Hello, is mastitis post-BBA common? Is it unilateral or bilateral? No, uh, KT, it is not common and it is something we were really worried about um, because any infection in the breast tissue could potentially get to the implant. So it was something that we would treat aggressively uh, after a breast augmentation. If there's implants in there, any sign of infection uh, in the breast is something we would treat aggressively and it'd be very uncommon for it to be bilateral. It would usually be unilateral. So the problem is what we say to people having breast implants, they say, look, we're really worried about infection. So if it gets red, tender, swollen, painful, those are signs of infection. And you know, you have to, you have to seek help. So you, put, you have your breast implants and what happens? You think, oh my God, it's a bit red. Oh my God, it's swollen, it's tender, it's painful. I usually say, look, if both of them are like that, it's unlikely to be a bad thing, infection. It's just inflammation. It's just the fact you just had surgery. They're both quite tender, red and swollen. So it's very unlikely to get bilateral infection, bilateral mastitis or bilateral infection in the implants. So if it's bilateral, I'd be thinking, well, how do you know? That's probably just inflammation, just probably swelling and discomfort from the surgery. Um, it's usually unilateral. If they say it's red, hot and swollen and tender, and I say, which one? One or both? They say both of them equally. I'm like, mm, okay. If they say one of them, they say, oh, my right one's really tender, hot and swollen, and my left one looks fine. I'm thinking, alarm bells. That's a, 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 a what something I'd be more worried that it would be an infection. And it's unilateral. <clears throat> what we got here? Kelly, back in the room. Kelly, you are top dog. Thanks for your help. I had a virtual consultation last year with yourself. Nice to see you. Then COVID hit. I would like to go ahead and book a face-to-face, -face, so I'll contact your surgery tomorrow. You've been really helpful. Hashtag Ask JJ. Kelly, get in touch, girl. Get in touch, and I'll see you. Maybe not see you tomorrow, but book yourself in tomorrow, and I'll see you in real life. Absolutely. You're very welcome. Nice to see you. Um, how long is recovery for removal of implants? Is it the same as the breast augmentation I've had? No. If you're having a removal of implants and not replacement, then it will be a lot quicker recovery will be a lot quicker because obviously when you put implants in it's tight the wounds under tension the skin's under tension everything feels tight a bit uncomfortable so removal of implants are much obviously there's no tightness the wounds are not under any under any tension so it's much less, more like to heal nicely if you do get any problems with the wounds or anything like that we're not as worried about infection and things because i'm presuming you're not having the implants replaced um so yeah it's a lot better if you just have the implants removed in terms of your welcome katie dr katie k um so it's much better if you just have the implants removed is it possible for my body to reject the breast implants no not no but a lot of people say it and the reason a lot of people say it is because what happens is they get infection so when the in medical terms the term reject or rejection is for tissue is for some tissue if you put some tissue in in the body which is not the host tissue if you took a bit of you know tissue from someone else and implanted it in you whether that be skin or a kidney or a whatever your body there are antibodies in your body that will attack that uh, foreign tissue because there's antigens on the foreign tissue and they would destroy it and reject it that's why you have to match donors and things like that when you're giving kidneys and things like that. Um, that doesn't happen with breast implant. And a breast implant doesn't have any antigens. The antibodies will not attack the breast implant. So it cannot get rejected in that sense. The body won't sort of attack it. 
But what sometimes happens with implants is that they get infected. And if they get infected, it gets red, angry, and swollen. And what can happen is the, the wound can open up. And sometimes the implant can look like it's coming out. And people say, I, I rejected the implant. My body rejected it. Which I can understand why they're saying it. But from a medical term, it's not rejection. It's just infection and the wound opening up and the implant getting exposed. So it's not strictly speaking rejection. So it's not like if you had another implant, that would get rejected as well. You know, you would hope that you'd have to have it out for a few months, but you hope if you had another implant, then you wouldn't get another infection. I mean, you could, but it'd be unlikely. You know, you wouldn't hope that you wouldn't have another, another, you know, it wouldn't, you know, it doesn't reject in that way. <clears throat> hey, Kelly, what was the answer to this as just joined? What was the answer to what, Kelly? Kelly's asking Kelly what the answer. What was the answer to what? Could the implants be placed over the muscle or under? You can change plane, Kelly. I think that was the answer to Kelly's question. You can change from under to over or over to under. What causes an implant to bottom out? How this worrying, Rosie. What are you asking these questions for? Goodness me. What causes an implant to bottom out? How successful are revisions to fix it? Um, well, an implant bottoms out usually if the pocket's too low or if the implant descends below the inframammary fold. So if the implant descends too low, then um, then that's bottoming out. It, you're talking about an implant, yeah, because your breasts can bottom out as well. When you do a breast reduction, you can, they can bottom out. But basically, it's too much uh, implant below the breast, below the fold. Uh, the implants, it's, uh, the nipples high. Or the nipple's usually not high, but it looks high because the implant's descended down. And then how successful are revisions to fix it? I've got to be honest with you, Rosie, it's not easy. Fixing bottom body mount is not easy. You have to you have to look at it and look for the cause and look what's going on. Um, but if it is the fact that the implants descended below the inframammary fold, you hear they'd have to reconstitute that inframammary fold. You have to use long-term dissolving sutures to <coughs> to reconstitute that and to uh, uh, and to make that robust again and um excuse me and yeah i mean there's a risk it can it doesn't work i mean it, how successful i don't know i don't know it's not a common operation so i can't give you um figures for how successful it is but if someone was having a revision for bottoming out you'd have to say look i'm really hoping to make this better it might not be perfect there might be issues you know but i'm going to try and make it better and there might be dents and things like that. And because from those implants, from those sutures to reconstitute the inframammary fold, they dissolve with sutures, but they take a long time to dissolve. So the dents can be there for a few months. And uh, yeah, it's a tricky one, fixing body bottoming out. I'll be honest with you, Rosie, it is a tricky one. Um, what have we got here? Amy Perry's joined. Good to see you, Amy. Um, just in time for this question. What do I need to do to maintain the shape of my breasts after surgery? I'm worried my breasts will sag and fall off the implant over time. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to not lose, put on and lose weight and not have children. Because those are the two big things that will make your breasts sag, to be, fair, to be honest with you. If you're worried about your breasts sagging, don't have weight fluctuations and don't have children because they both make the breast bigger and smaller and that makes them sag. Um, the other thing, look after your skin, be careful in the sun, not too much sun, drink plenty of water uh, to try and keep the elasticity of the skin. 
But apart from that, I don't really advocate wearing bras all the time. Wearing some people talk about wearing bras over day and night to stop the breast sagging. I'm not sure if there's evidence for that. Uh, the, the really big things I think you need to do is just to try and avoid uh, significant weight changes and also uh, avoid getting pregnant. Well, obviously for this specifically, if you want to get pregnant, fine, but it, but it does it does have an effect on your breasts. And the other thing is the bigger your breasts, the more that they will be acted on by gravity over time, so the more likely they are to sag. And if you've got implants in, then the implants tend to sit there and the breast can sags. So that is um, something to consider. So yeah, don't have weight fluctuations and don't um, get pregnant and don't smoke. Um, can I still get mammograms with breast implants in place? Will it rupture my implant? Do I need to notify my GP? Yes, no, yes. So yes, you can still get mammograms. Will it rupture my implant? No. Do I notify my GP? Yes. So you need to tell your GP that you've got um, uh, implants in place because when they do the mammogram, they need to do it slightly different. They need to take it at a slight angle to um, to to to, uh, to image the breast. So you need to let them know you've got implants in but they are well used to doing mammograms on people with implants because quite a lot of people have got implants. So you will be fine, but uh, you do need to let them know. I want breast surgery, so I no longer have to wear a bra. Is this possible or will my breast sag no matter what? Your breast will sag no matter what. So you may not need to wear a bra to start with, but yes, over time they will sag. What breast surgery does, particularly lift breast lifts, which I think is what we're talking about here, is it lifts your breast and it gives you a better shape and it restores you to a better place. So it gets you to a better place that you used to be at. But you will age and, you know, gravity and weight changes and all these things will continue to affect your body as time goes on from here. So it won't lock you in that place forever. And it won't be that you'll never have to have any more surgery because you your breasts are locked because you spent thousands of pounds on them. Unfortunately, gravity works on us all and it will continue to work on you. Now you'll be at a better place. So if you hadn't had surgery, you know, you would gravity have worked on you from a worse place. So you will reset yourself to a better place, but it doesn't lock you in. And that's the same for anything, same for tummy tucks, same for facelifts, same for any sort of skin tightening work. It resets you back to a better place, but it doesn't lock you there forever unfortunately so you breasts will will continue to sag just like they would have done if you hadn't had surgery <clears throat> when are breasts fully healed after augmentation depends what you mean nikki i would say the skin would should be healed within five to seven days so the skin's usually healed with five seven days so usually <clears throat> you have a dressing for for a week is sort of standard i would say um, and you don't normally need a dressing after that because the layers of the skin are healed in that time. So you can normally wash and shower. Now, in terms of all the tissues inside, then that takes months. It takes a good couple of months for the skin to get its full strength. And also you have quite a lot of swelling and the shape isn't quite right to start with. They're often quite full in the upper part of the breast and they take time for that fullness to soften and settle. And I normally say that that starts to settle, all that swelling or what have you, scars quite red, starts around three months and can take six, 12, 18 months for it to really properly settle. So in terms of them feeling like your own and you know the numbness and the shape, etc., maybe a year really, give or take. Uh, but in terms of sort of healing, a week. <laughs> so, you know, this answer your question uh kim hashtag ask jj that's what i'm talking about if have 
if having just a lift, do you lose any breast tissue? No, you do lose a little bit of volume because you do take some skin. You're welcome, Nikki. You do take some skin, um, but not a significant amount of volume and certainly no breast tissue. If you have got big breasts and you just want to lift, sometimes you might say to you, look, you know, it might be worth taking some volume out of the lower pole to, to make them less heavy, to make them less droop over time. But if you haven't got breast, big breasts or if you want to keep as much volume the size of your breasts is, 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 you know, is, is similar to what they are now, then you can just have skin removed and then the breast is just molded and reshaped and brought up into a better place and all the breast tissue is left. But, uh, but, but some skin is removed, so some volume is removed, but it's not a significant amount of volume. I'm out of questions. Right, thank you all. Good bit of ask, hashtag ask JJ's, encourage that. Um, I will, that, that's me, that is me. I will be here, same time, same place, seven o'clock next Tuesday. If you've got any questions, plastic surgery related, drop me an email or get onto Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, if this is on YouTube, I think it is. Um, and I will be more than happy to answer it if I can. I will do my level best. So hashtag ask JJ. I'm going to check out and sign out. It is 8.05, so I should be getting this, just the beginning of the second Antiques Road Trip. So uh, go and look forward to that. 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock Antiques Road Trip. I do love a bit of that. And so I will see you right here next Tuesday. And um, have a good week and keep your chin up. It's difficult. I'm saying it. It's difficult, isn't it? Keep your chin up. Is um, you know, is there light? I think maybe there's light there at the end of the tunnel. Cat, pick up yourself. Khan, thank you, Jackie. God, you guys still here? Jackie and Khan have been here the whole time. Tell me you've gone away and come back again. Come on, you haven't been here the whole time. Wow, that is dedication for you. Wow, pick up yourselves. Right, I'm going to check out of here, and I will see you all back. Seven o'clock Tuesday, whatever the date is next week. Are we into March yet? Might be into March, you know. Into March next week? That'll be something, won't it? All right, then. See you next week. Bye. Stop the stream. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.